This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. Today, you're listening to episode 286, and I'm talking with Gerda Stein. Gerda is a marathon runner from South Africa, and she most recently placed seventh at the London Marathon in a time of 2.26.51. She has a fascinating story. She didn't really get into running until around five years ago and quickly realized that she was very fast. She is sponsored by Nike. She's the 2019 Comrades Marathon champion, and she's also the 2018 and 2019 Two Oceans champion. She has a huge career ahead of her, and I cannot wait for you to get to know Gerda a little bit more in this interview and start following along with her career with me. Her Instagram is Gerda, G-E-R-D-A, run. So you can follow her over there and cheer her on. Well, today's episode is sponsored by Gooder. This is my go-to sunglass brand. They're cute. They're functional. They don't slip around when you run. They have a great price point. And they're a really great gift idea, right? They also have fun holiday shades going on right now. If you want to gift yourself some holiday shades or maybe yourself and one of your running friends. One of my favorite pairs, well, actually, I love the Amelia Earhart Ghosted Me shades. Those are my go-tos. They're like an aviator version of sunglasses. And then I love the PBR shades, the red PBR shades. That's kind of my jam. We have a PBR water stop, beer stop set up in front of our house uh, for the monumental half marathon every year. Not this year, but normally. And uh, I guess I just got a thing for PBR. You all can check out Gooder. Check out those holiday shades they have going on right now when you go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another at checkout and that'll get you 15% off. All right, friends. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Gerda Stein. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Gerda Stein to the show. Welcome to the show, Gerda. Thank you very much and thank you for having me on the show. It's an honor for me. Now you are back in South Africa right now, right? That is correct, yes. And you just ran a 10K? Um, yes, I just ran a 10K. Um, it was very exciting because um, after the entire lockdown and all of that, this was actually the first time that um, our government have allowed us to um, host races again. And um, we are only allowed at the moment to have races up to 10 kilometers in distance. So when I heard the news that one was um, being put on, I was there. I was first to sign up. Um Yes, yeah, so I was really just there for the fun of it and just to sort of celebrate the um, return of racing here in South Africa. Even though you're still co- sort of recovering from London. Yes, that's correct. So London, as we all know, it was about a month ago. Um, so I've not really been um, mega focused on getting back into 10 kilometers um, speed or shape yet. But um, yes, it was a good mark in the sand for me really now. Um, just to see whether I've recovered well, and now I can kick off my next um, training block. Well, I want to hear all about London. Seventh place, big PR for you, so I'm sure that was an exciting day. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so very much. It was really such an exciting day. Um, London Marathon for me was quite last minute. Um, 
I only got the definite yes, the definite go ahead, literally two days before they've announced the field. Wow. So um, for me, it was quite last minute, but um, it wasn't last minute as in too late to, to train for it. Um, I felt like I was in the right shape to sort of just round off my training now and round off to to um, getting into marathon training. So I had about a six, uh, seven week actually um, preparation for, for the marathon, specific marathon time. So it was still ample time. Um, and yes, during my preparation, um, it went really well. I think the whole idea of having a race after so many disappointments this year, it just sparked such a flame in me and it just gave me so much motivation. Um, I knew that I had this one shot at still making 2020 count and I just had to make the best out of it. So, um, Yes, um, with regards to preparation, it went really well. Um, and when I arrived in London, um, I only arrived on the Friday just before the race. I knew the weather wasn't looking great. Um, we all know the, the weather was quite challenging on the day. But um, yes, other than that, I think my race um, went really well. I was very pleased to set a new personal best time of 2.26. Um, so that was a really, really highlight for me. And also with the weather playing a little bit up, um, I knew that standing on the start line, I might not be the fastest runner or maybe not even the top 10 fastest runner in the field. But on a day like that, I feel like my strengths come out. Um, so I've been training and racing um, in the past in really tough weather. Um, so I just said to myself, whatever the weather um, hands us today, I must just not give up. Um, I must just keep going. Even though the time that I was aiming for might go out the window, the, the, the secret for me would be to not stop and just keep going. And um, yes, I think that's what carried me through the race. Um, as the race went on, I started picking up a lot of ladies that um, sort of started to slow a little bit. And I managed to uh, work my way up in the field and finishing in seventh place. So it was uh, all in all a great day for me and such an experience and really, really just grateful for the organizers to have given me this opportunity this year. Yeah. Anytime you look at the fields of these major marathons, it's the times of the people that are in the top 10 are just so stacked and so fast. But talk about the importance of believing in yourself and what you can do, even though you know you might not be one of the fastest seated runners out there. And you finished four spots from the podium, so you finished high up. Yes, absolutely. That's very true. I mean, you have to look at a, a race like that and just think, where, where, where is my strength going to lie? What can I use that, it, that will count for me towards me? Um, maybe if we're all just going on statistics, I wouldn't have st stood a chance. But I had to look at the bad weather as something that's actually a positive note for me. Um, and I think it, it's not only just weather. Um, I think often it can be a lot of things like marathons for instance for me personally that is more challenging in a way that it might have more elevation more hills like the new york marathon with more bridges to climb um i think that um as an athlete it's important to focus on that and to find your strengths in almost the hardest situations and that's how i try to approach my career yes i want to talk about new york and comrades and all the things but focus a little bit more on london um, just a little bit more. Tell me about the um, tell me about the experience as a whole, being at the race with no spectators, and how did you kind of 
pull motivation to run so fast when there weren't any people on the sidelines cheering you on like you're used to in these major marathons? Um, yes, that was, of course, a big uh, difference to what we're used to in these big marathons was, number one, the spectators, and number two, the route um, that was in laps. So, um, yeah, the, the, the lap of St. James's Park, for everyone, I'm sure everyone listening to the show would have known, um, it was about 2.2 two kilometers around the park so those two aspects was definitely something that I kept in mind during my entire build-up mm. um, I knew from the start it wasn't something that came across on the day it wasn't like the weather or something that we couldn't um, change or couldn't uh, foresee so during my training I kept thinking about that and I kept that in mind so during the hard sessions I would um routes that's short um, loops um, yes just to just prepare that mentally and also with the spectators I mean this year already <laughs> we would not that we were even allowed to be in big groups but I did the vast majority of my training on my own so those two elements I sort of um, try to incorporate into my training and I feel like that actually did make a big difference because on the day I didn't really it didn't really bother me it wasn't something that I really missed because I was already used to the idea that it would be like that. And actually, to be honest, on the day, I was quite surprised because there was um, commentators. Mm. There was many other. I mean, there was some spectators that was just um, a handful of them, but you see them 20 times. <laughs> so um and also the way London Marathon did it was the fact that they had a big digital screen up at the start um, and finish point. So um, that alone helped me a lot. So for 20 times during the race, I had a perfect update with my projected finish time, where I was lying in the field, how far behind I was from the lady in front of me and how far the lady behind me was. So in that perspective, it was actually no bad thing. Um, and to be honest, I can almost see the future of racing um, being mm -hmm. going that way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is something that you just have to prepare mentally for. I mean, um, the, the, the fact that you don't have scenery or you don't see the city, um, it, is, it is something that you, that you have to decide as an athlete. Am I here to see the city? Am I here for the scenery? Or am I here to get the job done? Mm. Um, so in a way... There was positives that I took out of that. And I can certainly see the, the future when we are allowed back in crowds. If you can host a marathon in a smaller group with laps, I'm sure that attracting spectators would be so easy um, to get them all together. And, and you, can, you can see them many times. So, um, yes, there was positives and negatives in it. Um, I'm sure that if you had a tough race, and you were really struggling, um, you would have really, really missed the spectators and yeah. maybe that last bit of energy that you can pull from the spectators. Um, but yes, in, and also another tool that I used, mental tool that I used was, I just kept reminding me of the amount of people that will be viewing this marathon. Mm. Um, it was on stage. I mean, with the ladies also running, even before the men, I'm sure, I don't know how many thousands of people around the world was tuned in. And, and it helped keeping that in mind because I knew even back home, there was so many support and people are so hungry for mm -hmm. something new to watch um, some athletics on, the, on, uh, on live streaming. So um, I just kept that in mind and it certainly carried me through to the finish line. 
Yeah, it's such a good point that the laps could bring strength too because it's kind of, I feel like I would be comforted by knowing here I go again, I get to pass everybody again, I get to pass my the big clock again. What was the most challenging part of the race for you? I think the most challenging part for me was almost in the beginning. Um, I last year, in 2018, 2019, um, I ran the New York Marathon and there, I almost learned such a hard les- lesson. Um, I had a race plan. I had a time in mind. And I was almost not willing to deviate from my plan, mm. come, high, come high waters. So um, I ended up in the New York Marathon running a lot on my own. And um, I then actually, I was just behind a big r- group of women for the vast majority of the race. And I felt like after the marathon that I could have done a lot better. I could have achieved my goal much easier by sticking to the group. And and I felt like I was just a little bit afraid to do that because they went out on a pace slightly quicker than mm. I than I. And I told myself not to make that mistake again in the London Marathon. So um, in the beginning of the race, I was just so adamant to rather stick with the group, even though it was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but just trying to um, take the energy out of from the group and work as a pack rather than to be isolated. So the beginning of the race was quite terrifying for me because I was going fast. Mm. (laughs) Um, But I just said to myself, don't make this mistake again. Um, and as the race went on, the group also dissolved. Um, but then I was so pleased that I actually stuck with them. Um, I slowed a little bit towards the end, but lay in a lesser amount than m- most of the other women. So um, I was really pleased with that, even though the, the beginning of the race, it was quite terrifying going at that pace. Yeah, because I know Sarah Hall talked about the different pace groups they had. There must have been, was there a 226 pace group? Yes, there was. So there was a 220. The, um, the official pacing time was somewhere between 224 and 226. Okay. So um, we had two in our group, and the plan would have been to for the first for one of the paces to go with the faster group, and if some people fall behind, that the second pacer would be would be carrying the rest of them. So beginning of the race, we, I was more so towards, towards leaning towards 224s, which for me was good. Um, on a perfect day, I'm sure I'll be able to run that time. Um, but I knew that the conditions were challenging. So we we all probably had to adjust. Um, but it was we were still going at that pace in the beginning. So yeah, it was there was a group for me. And I'm sure I, I would rather overreach and mm. get to a result rather than being at the finish line, I, I could have done better. So uh, yes, my race plan worked well in, in on the day. <laughs> Yeah, who who were you packed up with? Were you running next to Molly Seidel? I was, yes. Molly, oh, she had such an amazing race. Um, I was in Molly's group and Lindsay Flanagan uh-huh. also. Um, and the, um, Alicia McColgan was our pacer. Um, and there was also Daria from the Ukraine. So um, we were a good group together and it did work. We ran really well together. And as the race went on, um, Molly, of course, she just smashed it. She ran such an incredible race. Um, she just picked up, started picking up the pace and just kept going. And our group actually caught up with a smaller group that was just in front of us. Um, so it it worked. The pack did work. It was an incredible experience as well, not to be isolated for such a long period of time. Um, I mean, the other far opposite to this is Sarah Hall, who mm. sort of just ran from the beginning to the end on her own. And it did work for her as well. So 
I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but on the day I felt like that really suited me. Yeah, it's like this evaluation of how risky do I get to see how fast I can really truly go. And there's always the risk that you'll blow up at the end, but it's worth taking sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, how will you ever find your limits if you don't risk? So in a marathon, it has to be controlled risks. It has to be calculated risk. Um, But there's always an element where you have to sort of just give yourself a little bit of chance um, and see what you can do on the day. That's the only way that you'll ever achieve your your crazy goals, if I can almost put it like that. And yeah, I think I think definitely you have to be sort of courageous um, to, to attempt that. But um, it's 100% worth the risk. I will do it 100 times over. And I, if I fail 99 times out of the 100 times, it would still have been worth it for me. That's so awesome. I love that message. We're going to kind of work backwards a little bit rather than, you know, a lot of podcasts, I feel like they start about you're running growing up and lead up to today's time. But we're since London was so fresh and exciting to talk about, we kind of started there. But um, I kind of want to work backward now Still in 2020, though, because I heard you talk about the fact that when you were in Dubai with your husband, like you were in lockdown and you couldn't run for like eight weeks. And that is the same year that then you go run this massive PR in London, which is really incredible. So kind of talk about that part of the year. Um, yes. So I was in lockdown in Dubai. That's correct. My um, husband works in Dubai. He works for Emirates. So I do spend quite a bit of of the year there in Dubai, but um, often uh, every year during the summer, I just pack my bags and leave and find the find better weather. Better weather. So um, this year was obviously a bit different. Um, we were very fortunate not to be separated um, during the lockdown. It was a very close sort of. Um, <laughs> there was a big chance for us to get separated and stuck. Um, I would have been stuck in South Africa because they closed their borders only two days after I left. Wow! But um, yeah, it was such a close call and literally just a coincidence that we flew back in time. Yeah. Um, but so I had to basically spend the whole of the lockdown in Dubai, and it was not only lockdown; it was also heaving heat. It was in, it gets incredibly hot and humid there. Um, but um, to be honest, it wasn't too bad. Um, mm. There's been really much worse places um, to get stuck in lockdown. Of course, um, we were, it was very strict there. We weren't even allowed to leave our houses for exercise, but that strict lockdown was only for a period of three weeks. Oh, three weeks. So um, it wasn't, yeah, so the lockdown, um, different stages were um, con- continued for much longer, but the time where I was really not allowed to leave the house was only three weeks. Okay. Um, and during those, uh, during those three weeks, before those three weeks, I've already heard the news that my two big races, um, which would have taken place in the beginning of this year, was cancelled. So in a way, it wasn't so. It wasn't like a stressful three weeks for me, as in I will lose all my fitness and how will I get ready for my race. It was almost just uh, a time to. I just had to pass the time. Um, so I was using my indoor trainer, my 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 bike. Um, I was spending hours and hours on that <laughs> in a in a house sort of just adjusting like everyone else. And we also live in a high-rise building. So I was doing stay climbing. <laughs> I was working my calf muscles like never before. <laughs> so I, I kept, uh, I tr- tried to stay creative and um, um, tried to stay fit. But to be honest, after lockdown, after those strict three weeks, 
weeks was for me personally actually a bit of a worse time. Mm. Um, I stayed positive during the three weeks, but after that, it almost felt like, okay, I survived this. Now what? Now mm-hmm. there's no no goals to work towards. And it almost hit me a little bit late. It was like the wave only hit me a little bit later. Um, but uh, I just kept on going. And I we have good friends, um, a training group there that, that kept me going. Um, so it was really, that's again why getting London Marathon was just such a delight. Um, we It changed everything for me. Mm. It just made me so excited again and like I said even before it just felt like to me I've got this one chance um there's only a handful of athletes in the world that has had this got this chance everybody survived had to go through lockdown in in one way or another however strict the rules were but not everybody had this chance and again I just knew that I had to make it worth it um just to make 2020 still count what races were you planning to do that got cancelled so I've um, competed in the last three years in the two ultra marathons in South Africa. So um, often when I say I do ultra marathons, um, people would think, oh, okay, so ultra trails or maybe 24-hour races. But um, it's not really for me. I, I am a marathon runner, um, but I do compete in the two ultra road races in South Africa, um, which is one is the Two Oceans Ultra Marathon and the other is the Comrades Marathon. So um, they got cancelled early on. Um, the Comrades Marathon actually only cancelled later, but they already postponed their date to later in the year. It would have taken place in September, but okay. then also later on they, they cancelled. So okay. that was the two races that were calendar in the beginning of the year. Okay, I'm so intrigued by your like comrades and two oceans, but then also still having the ability to run such fast 26.2 distances. You don't see a lot of people that are specializing in the marathon also doing the ultra marathon distance. So it's so cool. And I want to kind of hear about um, what that training looks like. Like, do you think it's a lot different? I know that, you know, elite marathoners run 100 miles a week, give or take, right? So what are you doing differently to prepare to go so fast for 50 miles rather than 26? Um, yes, Lindsay, it's very true. I think a lot of people has got a stigma around um, when it's the right time or the mm-hmm. appropriate time to mm-hmm. do ultra marathons, or even whether you should be doing that or not. Um, here in South Africa, <laughs> it's almost hard to explain it. It's a culture here. It's the Comrades Marathon is a culture. Every runner here wants to run the Comrades Marathon. You you do. They run marathons all the time, but the Comrades Marathon is such a prestigious event here for for South Africans. Um, it's it's a rich um, in history. It's it's been going for almost a hundred years. It's almost like the New York Marathon of New York. Mm-hmm. It's 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 much, and people adore it and they follow it. And when I was a, when I was growing up, when I was seven years old, I had no aspirations of running the Comrades. But on Comrades Day, you wake up five o'clock in the morning and you watch it with your family all day. The Comrades is playing. You know the winner. You know everything about it, even though you, you, you wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to run it when I'm seven years old, but I knew everything about it. So um, it's difficult for me to explain it. Um, it was almost a natural move for me to move to the Comrades Marathon when I started running as a South African. Um, but to be dead honest with you, I don't see myself as an ultra marathon runner. Mm. I see these races are fast they you need to be fast you need to be fast to be able to come and 
it's not something that I want to leave for late in my career when I'm older and when I when I can't really compete in them anymore. Um, my with regards to training, um, I don't change much in my training. I follow a marathon runner's training program. Okay. I do. The exact same amount of speed as I would do training for a marathon. Um, the only difference I have is um, my long runs has to be longer. Mm. So, of course, I, I, I wouldn't just do a 38-kilometer run to prepare for the comrades. So, I would, de- I would incorporate some much longer runs. I would go over the marathon mark training for the comrades. So, that is the main difference for me. Um, there's a, here and there a few tweaks that I would do. Um, there's also, I, I keep my speed up. I keep my speed training, but I would s- just increase the distances. So instead of doing perhaps 400 meter sprints once a week, I would rather just do thousands or 800s mm. um, minimum. So there's a few tweaks here and there, but I keep the same um, regime and yeah, I, I just follow the same thing. And I think that is what people sometimes misunderstand they they think that ultra marathon running is is something slow or something that you can sleep halfway around <laughs> or something and that is um to be honest i'm not interested in that at all um i i would limit my ultra marathon career to these two races um as a south african as well it's a real special thing i i built my entire career around these two races here in south africa um yeah, it, it's it's possible to to have an entire career just based on those two, and and that for me is what is the biggest attraction. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the general population thinks of ultras as like Western states. Maybe not the general population. I shouldn't have said that because in South Africa they don't. But maybe to an American yeah. listener, they might think of these hundred mile races where you are sometimes going. 10, 15 minute miles, you know, and you, sometimes you rip yes. out a six minute mile, but it's a totally different process for those races in the mountains like that. Tell us a, a little bit more about comrades though. I have interviewed um, Camille Heron. So I've talked to others that have run the race, but I'm interested to know um, a little bit more about the terrain. And like, I know that you were the first woman to break six hours, five hours and 58 minutes for the race, which is massive. Um, And that was just Mm -hmm. last year. So congratulations. Oh, thanks, Lindsay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, tell us, tell us about the race. Like, what does it look like? Are you cruising at what minute pace and are you, you know, do you walk through uh, rest stops to get a, a drink of water or what does it look like? Yes. Um, so the Comrades Marathon, for those who might not know, um, it goes from one town to the next and every year it alternates directions. So, for instance, last year was an uprun. So that means that we run from Durban, which is the town by the coast, all the way up to Peter Maritzburg. So it is, um, I know you guys work in miles, so I think it's about <laughs> 56 miles total. <laughs> um, and yes, that is, the, and the next year you run down. So you run from Peter Maritzburg all the way to Durban. Um, so there's two, so it's basically, people look at it as two different races. For the uprun, there's a, a record to be broken. And for the downrun, there's a record to be broken. So the uprun, the terrain, okay, ba- both obviously is um, on tarmac roads. Okay. So there's no, no trail or gravel roads involved. It's all tarmac roads. And it is there is some elevation, but the elevation is not really what makes it. So um, it, for the uprun, there's about 1,800 meters of elevation gain. 
Um, so what's that? 6,000 feet, I think, if I calculate quickly. Um, and for the down run, it's about half of that. Okay. So um, that's more or less the, ter- the type of terrain. And um, yes, yeah, so that's basically with water tables, it works very similar to what it would be in a city marathon. Um, we've got elite um, tables um, where you uh, can put your water um, that you've or, or your, your energy drinks that you would use during the race. You hand it in the night before and they have got it for you placed. It's about at every 10 kilometers into the race. You will pass the elite aid station and you'll get your drink. So it works in a very similar way to what the big city marathons would work like. Um, there is about 19,000 people on the start line. Wow. <laughs> and um, it's Yes, it's enormous. You fill the entire street in the city. You start from the one um, city hall to the next. So um, you, we all start together. The gun goes off. And that's sort of part of the, um, the the race history is that the gun goes off and it's on gun time. So some people that start right at the back, they lose. They can lose up to five minutes just um, getting over the start line uh, to finish the race. Mm-hmm. So um, for, for the social runners, you've got 12 hours to finish the race. And um, more than 50% of the field finish within the last hour of the race. Wow. So that's a sort of sort of an indication of, um, of the, the dynamics of the race. And then, yes, yeah, so um, my time last year was um, just under six hours. Um, so it's 5.58 um, on the clock. <laughs> and it was the, a, a new um, uprun record for the ladies. So um, okay. the previous record... Yes, that was the uprun. So the previous record was held by the um, two, fa- they're very famous in the comrades um, environment. It's two Russian twins, Elena and Elisia Norgaleeva. And I believe um, that they've also um, run the New York Marathon. Um, their personal bests are around 226 and 227. Okay. So, um, yes, and they've, they held the previous uprun record. Like they ran so, it together? Um, that- Yes, they used to run it together, huh. like uh, like uh, joined by the hip. So oh the two gosh. of them would go together all the way. And then only in the last um, sort of stretch, they would talk to each other and decide the one that's stronger can go. <laughs> but that would only have the last, very last uh, few kilometers of the race. Wow. And then, of course, they know, off, most like, more often than not, they would get number one and number two, just alternating whoever wins. So for, for over a decade, they've, totally dominated the race and um no one was ever able to beat the russian twins so um in um few few years ago three years ago it for the first time um they were beaten four years probably ago now they were beaten for the first time and it was massive and then of course the russians were banned anyway from competing so that was the end of the um russian twin um era but then after that, we've been very fortunate to have um, two other, um, three other local um, winners. So um, often we still get a lot of internationals coming over for the race. There's been many Americans um, also joining um, for the race. So that was awesome to also have Camille Heron to, uh, as a champion. And then after that, we've had another South African and then last year was me. So, um, yeah, it's just been a real boom for the, especially the female side of this race. Um, and yes, I think everyone is just so excited to, to have local winners at the moment. Mm-hmm. For me to, to, to um, excel in a marathon and to improve in a marathon, 
I wouldn't say it's less any less important than the Comrades Marathon. I focus on the marathon as much as I do on on the Comrades Marathon. And one reason, of course, I want to see what I want to see the limits of my own body. But number two is also for me personally. I feel like I want to compete not only in a niche race. Mm. I want to be able to compete with with the rest of the world in a well-known distance on on races that everybody knows about and and that that is a much dry, a massive drive for me so um i don't e- see myself ever just focusing on one one comrades um on only the comrades every year i would always incorporate another race um so yes going forward in the future i would definitely love to come back to new york again and all the other um city marathons around the world so of course, um, hopefully next year, <laughs> things will return back to normal. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This is my go-to brand for supplements and vitamins and protein powder. I use their Neurofi Plus powder every single day with my kids and for myself. Sometimes I'll just shake it up with water and have it in between workouts and I make smoothies constantly with it. It's vegan, it's super clean, and there's all kinds of vitamins and minerals in that protein powder that you don't find in other brands. It's very nutrient dense, and I feel really good about the quality of their products. I have actually interviewed their founder over on the Illuminate podcast and have really done a deep dive on the company and truly believe in the work they're doing and the products they're putting out. Now, if you're a runner, and you want to have longevity in the sport, checking out their Joint Health Plus is something you're going to want to do. It protects your joints and it also soothes your joints. So if you're having any kind of joint pain, it can be a huge help. I take it every single day along with the multivitamin as well. You all can check it out. They also have kids vitamins if that's your thing. If you have kids, my kids take their super vites. You can check them out at Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout and that will get you 15% off your order. And know that when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you are directly supporting my work here. So for that, I thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Gerda. Yeah, it seems like with the strength that you build for a race like Comrades, New York would be a great course for you. Of course, yes. I do feel like New York is is definitely the one for me. Um, I've been fortunate to have raced it twice now um two years in a row both in 2018 and 2019 and it's definitely a suited course for me um after finishing seventh in london i have just got one thing in mind and it's of course top five or even if i dream really wild top three in 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 the london marathon um in the new york marathon that for me is is definitely the ultimate goal um, I do think that I can do that. I do think that the so, races like the Comrades Marathon gives me that strength mm-hmm. that you don't often find in just running around on a track. Um, you need a different type of strength for that. And um, I, whenever I r- train for the Comrades Marathon, I always think about I'm not only training for the Comrades Marathon. I've got the big apple in mind and it's, it's a similar type of strength that I build. So the two definitely complement each other. Oh, that's so cool. Well, you mentioned when you were a kid, like, you know, your whole growing up, you would wake up and watch Comrades, but you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I want to do that someday. So when you did get serious about running, was that first on your mind? Um, yes, it's uh, my story, how I got to where, you know, to this point. 
I mean, it's completely different to, I don't know, any other athlete that I know. So um, as a child, I was never an athlete. Um, actually, at this very moment, I'm visiting my folks. Um, we, we, I grew up here where they still are on a farm. Um, I went to a small primary school where we also visited today. Um, we were literally like 100 kids in the entire primary school. And I don't even think I ever made my primary school's teams. So as a as a runner, I just I enjoyed sports. Um, I was always uh, outdoorsy. We were playing more than really focused training or anything. Um, just team sports. I was playing netball and hockey and anything I could find. But as an athlete, I, I never stood out, um, even though my school was really small. So even there, I was still getting beaten by my friends. Um, so during my entire um, school uh, career, I never... I think I made a mistake not um, trying out cross country. Mm. So we had a cross coach. We could, we, they were, the opportunity was there, but I never made the decision to take on cross country for some reason that I'm not sure why. Um, so I think that's maybe something where I could have picked up my running talent earlier. But um, what happened then after that is I went to university. I started jogging a little bit, but <laughs> nowhere near competitive, just sort of, around campus, etc. Um, so I studied, I think, in, in it's equivalent to a cost engineer. engineer. So that's okay. like building construction. And mm -hmm. so um, I studied um, four years at university and I started working in Johannesburg. Um, and then after a couple of years working in Johannesburg, I got the opportunity to move to Dubai. Um, so, but it was purely for work purposes. Um, it was a typical eight to five job, um, office job. So I then moved to Dubai and um, it is there where I really discovered my um, talent for running. So um, a month after I moved there, that was in 2014, um, I decided to join a local running club just to make sort of friends and um, yeah, just to get to know more people because it's an expat community, which I, I was really um, keen to connect um, and to join in with. And um, on the first night that I joined the local running club there, I met a group of expats and um, they were saying that uh, they every year they run the comrades. <laughs> and for me, it was so special because I was surprised they come to my country to run the comrades and they are from all over the world. Um, and another uh, special... Uh, Something that added a little bit of flavor was it, one of them was my current husband, my now husband. Oh, you met so, in the running group. Yes, exactly. So I was immediately intrigued by these people that run so much and they enjoy it so much and it's more a social thing. And even when I'm telling the story, it almost sounds amateur. It sounds like social and, and not like focused, but that's how it started. Um it wasn't long after I started training with them. They were doing track sessions um, twice a week and doing long runs. And Lindsay, honestly, it was immediate. They started, they spotted the talent immediately. Uh -huh. So everyone was sort of amazed by the fact that I was improving. And for me, it wasn't so amazing. I just thought that while well, I'm new at running and I'm improving, so that's just how it goes for people who start running for the first time. Yeah, or you improve training a lot properly. fast. That's it. Yeah, they knew that. And um, they really encouraged me and helped me so much um, to train more focused. And yeah, another year or two years went by and I got to a point where I knew that if I don't give myself the chance now to do this properly, I might I might miss it. And I then decided to leave my office job 
Um, that was in 2017. I then decided to leave my office job and just um, see what I can do, give it a real go and take a, and take a chance and, and see what I could do. So um, that's really my story. And since then, I mean, it's just been an incredible journey for me. Um, I've been very fortunate to have very few hiccups, to have had very few hiccups until now. Um, with very few injuries and I don't really struggle with any sickness, etc. So it, it's been an incredible journey for me and I feel fresh. I don't feel worn out and tired of the competitive world. Um, it, it, it's just, it's a real blessing. It, it changed my entire life and every my, my entire family's life really, it's changed because it is such a new thing and so unexpected. It's so cool. And it's also so wild to think that that was just six years ago. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's been a real sh- short and sweet journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would, when I speak to people that went to university with me like 10 years ago, uh-huh. they honestly, they can't believe it. They wonder, well, why, how is it? Is it you? Is it really you? <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot has changed, but I mean, it's changed for the good. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Um, yes, and my husband as well, he was a runner. So immediately he started to help me and um, spotted the, <laughs> the possibility of me becoming a professional athlete. And for us too, it was also, it was such a great thing for us to share. Um, it, yeah, it was great. It was much greater than just running. It was like this entire new journey. And, and it's, yeah, I, it's something I wouldn't change for the world. I mean, I'm just picturing myself being part of this, like, running group and you showing up and just like laying down like 70 second 400s or whatever it was and being like what you don't run who where did you come from I mean these people must have just been shocked at the talent absolutely well (laughs) when they talk to me they tell me how shocked they were and they thought at first she's not for real she's faking it or she's (laughs) she's pretending like oh anything about running (laughs) but for me Looking at it from my perspective, it was I didn't really see what the fuss was about. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it it was almost just I don't know maybe oblivious or or just not knowing was almost such a such a great asset for me because I think when you are I mean most athletes come from a track background mm-hmm. or come from a fast school years or university um but I don't feel like when I stand there I don't have your 800 meter split times I don't feel like I need that Mm -hmm. to get to the same result on the marathon especially I don't feel like that is something that I that I lack I feel that it's something that I should be grateful for because I don't have those limits I don't know my limit on the 800 or the 1500 so I don't have a calculator to tell me what I should be running or what I can't do on the marathon um for me, this this guy is the limit, and and I really think that that is the best approach to have for something for the distance of for the marathon distance, especially. Um, you have to have that sort of mindset of of just seeing what you can do on the day. So I mean, it's such a long distance. Um, anything can happen, and yes, you can prepare for it, but um, some of it you can't prepare in training for that. You can't do. You can't prepare on the track for that. It is there needs to be a different element if you if you want to have a marathon mind. And and that is where I see myself having strength. Um, where I lacked something, I, I gained strength there. And I can see myself in gaining the same results as someone who has had an incredible career as an athlete in, in their younger years. 
Yeah, it's it's so interesting to think about the the difference of you at the start line um, next to someone who has maybe been, you know, someone who was like a state champion in high school or, you know, who's been really competing with the front pack since they were 16, 17 years old. And here you are at 30, only six years in. I mean, I wonder sometimes if some of if the people that have been competing for so long think, man, that would be really nice to feel so fresh and like, not that they're not still excited, but it's kind of just a different, it's got to be a different kind of excitement to be pursuing this um, so freshly. I don't know if I said that well. (laughs) No, 100% yes. You probably said it better than I would be able to say it. That's definitely something. And I can pick it up. I mean, I can see the freshness in me that I don't see sometimes other athletes um also what i feel like for me is a good element um for my preparation towards a race is the fact that i have seen the world outside of running Mm. um i've had to work in an office environment i had to get along with everyone and it doesn't matter what your 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 history is it doesn't matter whether you're male or female or whatever you you had to get along with people in an office environment and you I learned social skills um going to university without being a, a focused athlete during my training I can almost switch off from from the professional athlete side and really relax and 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 have conversations that's got nothing to do with mm. running um just because I've had experiences so far away from the running world. And I think that is definitely a bonus for me. It, it does help. Um, I do get into my training um, regime also when it's necessary. And I think of nothing else than running. And I think of nothing else but just recovering from the one session to the next. So, um, but, but when it's necessary, I do feel like I'm able to switch off and focus on things outside of running. What do you think you learn from people, though, that have been in the game for so long. I'm thinking of someone like Steph Bruce here in the United States who has been competing for so long and then had a couple years where she had babies, but now in her late thirties is like totally kicking ass. So what do you learn from um, athletes like that? Um, There's a lot. I do look up to athletes like Steph Bruce. I mean, I think that their, their years and years of resilience is mm. amazing. Um, that's something for me that I don't have experience of. And to see someone like her still, after having children, um, still putting times down that is just out of this world, it, it is certainly that alone is something that, that I look up to, to, to have had such a long career in such an intense environment. Um, running environment, is it, it is intense. It's tense and intense. And it takes, you have to find that from nowhere else than just within yourself and for that I do look up to athletes like of the likes of her and the likes of her so um, I do I would love to take that from them and also apply that to my career and not to see this as a sort of a a hit uh, for a couple of years and then I can just step away again and, and revert back to a life that I'm more familiar with it is something that can be an entire lifetime. And, and for that, I do, I do look up to them for. Yeah, it's exciting to think of, well, where your career is going to take you in these next like six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years and what this conversation will look like then. You know, it's like it's so crazy, the possibilities that are going to happen in these next few years for you. Very exciting. 
Yes, absolutely. It does excite me as well because I, I don't know where my career will be going. Um, even just the fact that I started to be interested in, in, in something like ultra marathons and then only got into marathons, that alone is something that I didn't expect. So for me, the future is definitely very, very exciting. And yeah, I'm just looking forward and also trying to just take in every step as I go ahead because every year it's almost for me still it's so different to the year before. Um, every year is a different cycle and, and nothing is sort of until now been too repetitive mm. or I just feel like sort of I have to get up in the morning and I have to go and do this because this is just what I've been doing for so many years. Um, I'm very, very much far from that point. So yes, no, the future is certainly very exciting for me. Okay, so walk us back. 2014, you start running with the group. You realize you're pretty good you decide you're going to kind of go all in with it. When did you run a race that you were like, okay, like I'm competing with the best of the best. And then also when did your sponsorship, I know you're sponsored by Nike. When did that happen? Um, yes. Yeah, so um, it's it happened gradually, but there were certain points of time in my short lived career that I really knew I had to, I had to make this decision. Um, the first marathon that I sort of really, um, was training well for and I could definitely see some potential was in 2016 I ran a Valencia marathon and there um, I ran 237 and my previous time from um, before the Valencia marathon was 251 wow so it was a huge yeah you know, it was literally like how many minutes that I took off um, massive. and that's when I really yeah I knew then I knew I had to take the chance um there was no doubt in my mind after that um I've, I ran the Valencia marathon and I, I ran 237 with quite ease. I, I was very fresh in the end. Um, I was disappointed with myself because I should have gone faster. But to think I have to run 230 from a 250, it, that was my, my mind wasn't there yet. Um, but on the day, I certainly believed it. And then the year after that, in 2018, um, I ran the New York Marathon. And um, I ran 2:31, and I finished in 14th position, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's also when when that was a definitely an, another mark for me where I knew I'm I'm doing the right thing. Um, I'm here because I belong here. I felt I I wasn't sort of I, yes, I just felt like I belonged. Um, so that for me was definitely, and that was also when um, I got my sponsorship with Nike. Did the 231 secure the sponsorship? Is that when you started talking to them about it? Um, so I really started talking to them just um, in within that same year, because um, in that year, I, I won the Two Oceans Marathon for the first time. Mm -hmm. So um, that for, for, for them and for me was also another mark. Um, it made me believe that I can win, I can be a champion. Um, I don't have to be second or third always. I can can be a champion. And that um, the Two Oceans Marathon win was also for me a little bit unexpected. Um, I was one of the favorites, but I wasn't the favorite to mm. win it. Um, and after that, it was um, almost a little bit of an adjustment that I also had to make mentally to just sort of take it in, but not getting ahead of myself and still um, learning how to sort of celebrate when you can, but then get back to work. Um, so um, that that it was good and bad, not bad, but it was also there was it was it gave me a lot of confidence in myself, but it also um, taught me to 
sort of dial back and, and get back to work when, it, when it's necessary. So after, in that year, everything sort of kicked off for me. Um, and that's when also I started the talks with Nike. So mm. yes, it's been, it's been a great couple of years. And I was, I was fortunate enough to, the year after that, to return to the Two Oceans Marathon and win it, and also the Comrades Marathon, which was my biggest goal that year. And then again, I ran the New York Marathon and I was also able to secure my spot for all my time anyway for the Olympics next year. So exciting. You know, I think that I first heard of you in 2018. I think it was, um, yes, because I was at the New York City Marathon that year. And I think I saw you finish. Yeah, I was in the stands. I, at the time, I didn't know you were so new to running. I just kind of thought, oh, there's a South African. Like, she's running really fast. But I, don't, I didn't know anything about your story. Um, and now I, I just, I look at the timeline of, like, when I started this podcast, which was 2016. Yeah. And I think of like all of the amazing things that have happened in your career and, you know, other people's careers that hadn't even begun yet when I started this show and to see all that's happened now um, to 2020 is it's so cool to, to think about that. You know, and I had no idea in 2018, like what kind of trajectory trajectory you were on or how, how new you were to this. So to hear this after the fact is super super exciting no it is it is quite interesting to think about it like all the different puzzles i mean in 2018 the year that you were at the london after new york marathon and seeing me finish um earlier that year with the two oceans marathon that i was talking about earlier that is actually also something it 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 was my first win and um it was in a way i don't want to say it's coincidence i don't think anything is coincidence but um, the uh, the elite athlete manager from New York, mm. David Monty, or the uh, at the time, he was watching the Two Oceans Marathon. Um, there was an American lady running the Two Oceans Marathon, and I think he was intrigued with her, to see how she would do. And I ended up winning the race, and that is what how he got to know my name. Mm. And he then invited me for the for the New York Marathon. So that's also a little bit more insight for you. Um, how I actually ended up there. Um, and then again, yes, I was fortunate to to return in the, the next year. So that sort of also, it was such a small puzzle piece for me. I didn't know at the time that something like uh, an ultra marathon in my country would, would lead me on the road to New York marathon. Um, well, you know how small a field it is. It's a small pack of women that gets mm-hmm. to run it every year. It is the dream to run that marathon. I mean, for me... To have gotten that invite from David was it, it again? It, it was such a stepping stone in my career, and and there I knew I, this is my chance. I need to now make sure I perform at my very best when I get to that start line and do what I can. And and it just felt to me like that that race was it. That's it. It it it's the race to do. And I definitely see myself doing it again and again in the future. If if I'm if I'm um. Yeah, fortunate enough to to be on the start line again. Oh, I think you will be. Do you <laughs> do you have um, uh, desires to do Boston at all? Yes, definitely. So um, m- many people um, would have would say to me as well that Boston is something that would suit me probably yeah. because of the um, the the nature of the course and also with the weather that might um, be good or might be not be good. So definitely, Boston Marathon is definitely on my radar. Um, so before 
2020, um, it would not have been on my radar mm. really because I was uh, still trying to qualify for the Olympics. Or, however, I, I'm not sure you can you can qualify for the Olympics for that. But um, this year as well, I was sort of eyeing um, to try and break the South African marathon record. Mm -hmm. So um, then the Boston marathon wouldn't count because it's, oh. as you know, it's net downhill. So this year specifically, if it was a perfect year without any of this pandemic going. I probably wouldn't have been looking at the Boston Marathon, but um, in the, now, yes, in the future, definitely, again, something that would suit me really well. Yeah, we should mention that you were just seconds away from breaking the South African record <laughs> at, at London, but the good news is, is that means you can do it. Exactly. It was annoyingly close. Oh. It was only 16 uh, and like I explained before, with the um, screen that was up at the London Marathon, I knew my projected uh -huh. finish time, and I could almost see it disappearing oh, in yeah. front of me and calculating how much I must sprint. Um, so that was a little bit heartbreaking, yeah. but it was only half half heartbreaking. So um, the seventh place finish definitely made up for that, and also. It left me, it, I walked away still hungry. So I think as an athlete, that's very important. I think Daisy Linden once said, as an athlete, you must eat uh, soup with a fork. Mm. Uh, always, always stay hungry. And I definitely left feeling hungry, satisfied, but still still hungry in a way to, to still, um, yeah, with a goal still in mind that's still there. And, and hopefully next time um, we'll, we'll be more fortunate with weather and I'll definitely be aiming for that again. Eat soup with a fork to stay hungry. That is such a good analogy. I, I've never heard that. That's so good. Um, okay, so you've mentioned the Olymp Olympics and the, 2000, the 227 in New York in 2019 got you the time you needed. But share with us how that process works in South Africa. So in South Africa, we don't have a marathon trials like you guys do in America. Um, for us, you have to qualify. Um, you have to make the Olympic standard time. And for this year, or yeah, for the Tokyo Olympics, it is 2.29.30. Okay. So first of all, you need to uh, reach that time. You have to run under that time. Otherwise, you won't make the team. And then the next step for that will be to um, be within the top three of my country. So as long as I'm top third, one, two or three fastest um, qualifier, um, I'm, then, I'll, I'm then in line to be selected for the Olympics team. So um, in a way for me at the moment, it's, I feel quite safe with my time. Um, I'm hoping that someone else would qualify as well for the Olympic marathon. But until now, it's only been me from okay. South Africa that's, that's made the time. So the position to finish one, um, top one to three is not so much of a concern to me. Um, it was really just to, to, to make the time. And South Africa's athletics also put up uh, A standards and B standards. So you're more likely to be selected if you make the A standards. And fortunately for my time in London and New York, it made the A standards. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed now. It's now really just a matter of, um, our athletics federation putting out our team, um, making it official. But as far as the qualifying process go, I'm I'm good to go. That is so awesome. Now you mentioned that there aren't any other women in South Africa who have even broke that two two twenty nine thirty barrier. Talk about women's running in South Africa. Is 
Is it very popular? Um, do you think that when someone from South Africa like you wins Comrades Marathon, that encourages other young women to want to get competitive and want to run more? I 100% think that it does. Um, I'm the perfect example for that. So in 2015, when I did my first Comrades Marathon, it was a South African winner who won and it was the first South African winner in I don't know how many years, maybe 20 years mm. that's won it. And for me, I, I'm the exam. I can mm-hmm. talk out of my own experience. For me, it was such an incredible motivation. It was almost like this lady that looks almost just like me and she's got a similar story to me as has now become a champion. And it definitely motivates a lot of the athletes. Um, South Africa's um, running has had its ebbs and flows. Um, we've had an amazing couple of years, I would say 16 years ago. We had the likes of Colleen de Rieck, who lives in America now. I think she lives in Colorado with her husband and coaches there. Um, we've had Ilona Meyer, um, some amazing athletes. And re- since then, it's almost been a couple of years where, where it's not been amazing. Um, their records still stand from mm. many years ago. Um, so there's been like, I don't know, maybe a decade or so that, that the female running in South Africa has not been um, where, it, where, where it could be or where it used to be. Um, I don't know what the reason is. There's many reasons for it, probably. Um, a lot of people would blame comrades. Um, they say that um, runners don't focus on the marathon. They just, everyone oh. just wants to run. Uh-huh. So I don't know how true it is or how untrue it is. Um, I also feel like, personally, I think there's a, a little bit of a gap um, in the way our athletics is approached in the country. Um, I feel like a lot of people can get almost, can can be missed in their development years. Yeah. Um, maybe transition from school to university. There's not a lot of sort of support that, that carries you over and keeps you going. So I don't know. I think there's maybe probably many reasons for that. Um but at the moment, there is um, it is looking upwards. Um, I think uh, there's a few juniors now that's showing a lot of talent. Um, we've had an, um, we've got one amazing lady called Glenrow Zaba, and she's not transitioned to the marathon just yet. But she's recently run a two one oh eight half marathon. Yes, there there are some incredible talent um, coming now, and and it's exciting. I think. I've I've just entered the exact time where, where a new era is starting. So, yes, um, it is unfortunate that at the moment there are not any other ladies who've made the qualifying time. But I am more hopeful for the for the next coming years um, as as a female for female athletics in South Africa. Yeah, it's exciting, and I'm sure that ha- like having a name like yours, like as you keep coming up and keep placing high and winning comrades and going to these international marathons like New York, that gives something for these younger women to look, look towards. Because if you don't have someone to look up to in your home country, it's hard to like envision it for yourself. hundred percent. Yes. Um, that's exactly what is happening. And I think it's quite similar. I mean, from my perspective, looking at the American females Mm. at the moment, it's a similar thing. I mean, they are such a boom. It's so it's encouraging. It's so, it's so amazing to see this rise of American runners, female runners at the moment. But I think it's probably a similar thing. I mean, you had Shalane Flanagan and Daisy Linden winning massive, the, the biggest marathons in America. And 
I'm sure that so many women in America was looking at their televisions and thinking, well, if they can do it, maybe I can. We've Mm -hmm. got the same genes. We've got the same growing up. Maybe I can. And after those two races, there's just been this this massive boom from females in America. So I do think that something like that is very encouraging. And um, it definitely creates a culture and it almost breaks mental barriers to think that, we should stand back for Eastern African runners. Um, we must, we will never be where they are because of this and that. Um, so I do think that once you break that sort of m- mental blocks mm. that uh, that that a group of or a, a country of runners can have, you can you can see some some amazing things. So hopefully that we can create the same sort of culture in South Africa that you guys have done so incredibly well. Oh, that's so cool to hear. Um, what is next for you? I know we started the conversation with you doing the 10 K kind of still recovering from London. Um, I guess Tokyo next year, assuming the Olympics happen, fingers crossed. Um, what's, what else do you have your sight set on? Yes, certainly Tokyo next year. I'm sure that we will have some sort of Olympic Games. Um, I'm, I'm also quite sure that it won't be the same as what we have seen it in the past. Yeah. It won't be as passive and prestigious but I am quite confident that they will host an an Olympics Games um, next year so that is definitely something that I've got my eyes on Um, I've never had the opportunity to um, run to compete in the Olympics so it's definitely a box that I would love to tick Um, but also the rest of it is quite uncertain for me at the moment Comrades Marathon is is at the moment um, planned for June so of course already they too we can close see to a, Tokyo though. It's it is probably too close. Personally, I would do it. I, <laughs> I feel like I I would do it, but I'm not so sure if um, everyone um, who's got to pick me for the Olympic team will be too happy for me <laughs> running 90 kilometers June. <laughs> so um, there's some big decisions for me lying ahead for next year. Um, I really don't want to give up either of those two. Uh-huh. Um, I've I know pros and cons I've written them down I know <laughs> the list of things um that, that, that why I should decide one above the other one um so it is going to be a very hard decision for me if it comes down to that but to be honest Lindsay if we've learned something this year it's not to have to be open-minded mm-hmm. um I'm not leaving anything out um I'm not making any final decisions and I, I do think that it will be way too early now to make final decisions so um, next year, I'll also be looking for um, another big city marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, um, I've, I've got many, many uh, uh, possibilities for 2021. What's the, is it like an eight-week difference between Comrades and, and Tokyo? Yes, it's more or less eight weeks. So, okay. yeah, it's close. I mean, it, it is close. I wouldn't do it every year, and I don't think it's the right thing to race that close um, too often. But, I mean... If nothing, if I'm not racing any other races, I'm sure um, I'll be able to do it physically. I'm 100% confident I'll be able to do it. Um, I have done races um, only six weeks apart, and it worked perfectly fine. So physically, I feel like it is possible, but yeah, it's it's not only for me to decide, and I do mm-hmm. understand that mm-hmm. as an athlete. Totally. Um, all right. Well, this this has been wonderful. What what is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done? 
Yeah, it's a big question. Um, there's so much still ahead for me. There's so many goals that I still want to reach. I would love to um, run. We have spoken about it before, but the Boston Marathon is definitely something that um, is high on my priority list. Um, but yeah, there's other things as well. Um, I'm, I've not. I've only started coaching one lady, just sort of as a tri- as a trial and error. Um, just sort of on the side. So coaching is definitely something that I'll be wanting to look into in the future, um, especially uh, mentoring sort of roles for female runners. Um, that's definitely something that I'm passionate about. So in the in the future, but yeah, I, I'm keeping that for, for the future. I want to learn um, now during my career first. I want to take in like a sponge as much as I can and then hopefully later be able to um, carry the knowledge that I've gained in my career over to the next generation. Oh, that's so great. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, an accomplishment I'm most proud of, I'll, I'll have to put up the Comrades Marathon record as my number one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so amazing. What a cool tradition, too. I love that you're not backing down from it next year unless unless you're forced to. <laughs> That is the perfect way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, are you a reader? What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I'd say the most recent. It's not a new book, but um, I'll say Dina's, Dina Caster's mm. book, um, Let Your Mind Run. It's the one that grabbed me in the in the recent uh, in recent times the most. It's an incredible book. I hope that every runner, especially women runner in this world, reads that book. It doesn't matter at what level you're competing. <laughs> it's such a good book. It really, really is. Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> let me have a think. Uh, <laughs> probably, oh, I've got one that might be interesting. Um, I, I'm sure many of your listeners will be familiar with Trevor Noah. Oh, yes. We j- I just read that his book. Uh, Trev- yes. So Trevor Noah runs The Daily Show in uh-huh. America, and he originally South African and I find him hilarious and uh, sometimes his joke is a little bit on the line but I think it would be (laughs) awesome to have a cocktail with him. Uh, What is your one message to send to the world? Um, I think my one message to the world would be um, never to think that it's it's something that happens to other people, that Mm. great things happen to other people. You can think that it can happen to you and if you believe it, it and work hard towards it it can be you and and I'm I, I feel like I'm the walking proof of that um I didn't show anything when I was growing up I had, I didn't show any standout talent and and I didn't have anything on paper to believe that I can be an athlete or um and compete against the world's best so my one my one message would be to never think that it only happens to other people um great things can happen to you I love that Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and thank you for sharing that message. It's such, such an important message. Thank you, Lindsay. And I really appreciate having, um, being on your show. I listen to it often oh. and I will keep doing that. It's amazing. And hopefully um, also get a lot of South Africans um, listening to your show um, after our chat. That would be awesome. Well, thank you. You know, I have another South African um, that I'm going to interview, uh, Dom Scott. Oh, wow. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm looking forward to it. And um, while we're on the South African kick real quick, I have to give a shout out to my friend Gareth because he runs the local running store here and he is South African as well. And he is a very special guy. There you go. They, they spread all over the world. <laughs> yes. 
Thank you so much. Enjoy your time with your family. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And we'll chat again soon. Okay. Bye. Okay, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Gerda, for sharing your story. Your enthusiasm is contagious. We are so excited for you. You can find Gerda on Instagram. She is Gerda Run over there. You can find me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. And don't forget, I started a parenting podcast. So if you are a parent or helping raise kids, you should definitely go check it out. My most recent episode over there was with Katie Arnold. And we talked about raising adventurous kids. It was a super fun episode. And Katie's been on this podcast before. She came on to talk about her book, Running Home, back in the day. And she's also the 2018 Leadville 100 champion. So that is a super fun episode. It might be a good place to start if you want to check out Why Is Everyone Yelling? I'm also on Twitter, at Lindsay Hine, and Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. You all are great. Thank you for being here. I want to mention next week, I have a guest host coming on the podcast, Lauren Flores, who is the host of the Up and Running podcast. She's going to guest host over here while I just take a week to be with my family, just giving myself a week off. And I'm so thankful to be friends with Lauren and to have her in the Sandy Boy Productions Network over at the Up and Running podcast. I know that you're in good hands next week with Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your Friday and a wonderful weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday. I guess I'll see you the Friday after that because Lauren will see you next Friday.